Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Our guest today on Personally Speaking is the incredible actor, Joe Montaigne. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and veteran actor Joe Montaigne joins us now. Joe has had a long and successful career that spans nearly 50 years and 150 credits from The Money Pit and Three Amigos to The Simpsons and Criminal Minds. His latest project, the Amazon series As We See It, hits closer to home than anything else Joe has ever done. The show, which is now streaming, follows three young adults on the autism spectrum as they maneuver through life and try to fit into society. Joe plays the father of one of the characters, Jack. Joe's own daughter, Mia, is on the autism spectrum, and it's his personal experience that made him feel a deep emotional connection to this role. Joe is here with us today to talk about this role, his life, his career, his family, and the values that matter the most to him. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, the wonderful, the talented actor, Joe Montaigne. Joe, first thing, as I see it, the wonderful show we're going to talk about today on Amazon that you're, uh, you're working with. For folks who throw the term around a lot but don't know what it is, uh, what is autism, actually? Well, that's a good question. You know, it's, it's you know, <laughs> that's a very good question because it's, it's, it's there's, I just recently I'd heard uh, something that kind of made a lot of sense. They says, when you meet a person with autism, you've met a person with autism. And mm-hmm. I guess by that, the meaning behind that is that it, it's such a divergent kind of spectrum, you know, people who are on the autism spectrum. I mean, it could run the gamut from somebody who may, seems like they're a little quirky yeah. to somebody who is like really in somewhat almost incapacitated in terms of how they can deal with the you know, language or the world or just, you know. So it, it runs the gamut. Like my daughter, who's right downstairs right now, is 35 years old. She functions fairly well. I mean, she, she takes care of herself. She's fairly independent. But when her language is, is, is such that it's almost like as if English is, is, is her second language and we don't know what that first language is kind of thing. Okay. So her communication is, is impacted. And at certain things, she's savant in some areas, like mm-hmm. in terms of her memory, in terms of art, some other things. And some things, she's like maybe like a 12-year-old, you know, and, can, and can't tie her shoes and stuff. So it's hard to say what exactly, to, to, to try to put in a sentence, you know, what is that? Right, right. But it, it is, because it, 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 it can manifest itself in many different ways. But, but, but in essence, it's, a, it's basically a, a, a communication disorder. In other words, there's parts of the brain that are just operating some of it at full tilt, and some parts are not operating well at all. Joe, did you and Arlene, this is now 30 years ago that you get the diagnosis, did you know anything about autism at that point? Very little. I mean, this was, this was like 1990 when she was diagnosed. And, uh, you know, there was obviously, there was awareness of it. There were some groups. We were in New York at the time. 
um, when it would, and that was a doctor in New York City that kind of gave us the diagnosis. And it was like we were, we were, it was that moment of like where your heart goes into your stomach and it comes back up again. And, and then you say to yourself, okay, this is the information we've just gotten. Now what do we do? You know, yeah. wh- wh- where do we go? What, what do we do? So there were, um, you know, there were some advocacy groups at the time. You know, there's a group called uh, NAR at the time, the National Alliance for Autistic Research out of Connecticut. And what it was was an organization, but for the most part, it was more like there were more like organizations that were kind of like almost like Easter seals, like like groups that were trying to organize to get funding to help cure this thing or like you know try to prevent this thing. But there weren't a lot of things things or, or, or organizations that kind of like basically saying, okay, this is here. How do we deal with it? How do we go on with it? How do we how do we deal with the people who are going to have it for the rest of their lives? And that came more or less kind of bit by bit up until today, where, you know, 30 plus years later, there's quite a bit of information out there and quite a few groups that are concerned more with the, look, this is the reality. We don't really know how to ultimately fix this from happening, but now how do we make it so that the people who have this, this are in this situation can deal with it? You know, mm-hmm. well, how do we make their lives better? How do we make all our, how do we all live together, you know, in the world with people with these different, different kinds of abilities in a way. Right. Joe, in the uh, program, there's a, a young man who plays your son and he is himself uh, a man with a autistic background, but you have cancer and he wants to be your advocate and you correct him by saying, I'm your advocate. Um, how, how well have you taken on the role, you and Arlene, of uh, being not just someone who has a child who's dealing with autism, but to be a true advocate. Was that hard for you? No, not really. And, and, okay. Well, hard. I mean, it's, I, I, I live by the saying, uh, everyone has a story and nobody gets a free ride. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And then right. you're also and you play the cards you're dealt in life. So, I mean, this is my story. This is our story. This is mm-hmm. the ride we're taking. And it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm game. We're up for it. We're blessed in the sense that I've, I've had a, a, a career that's afforded me uh, the capability to do yes. things that a lot of people aren't able to do. So for me to say, you know, well, what was me? And this is tough. And I'm having, you know, this is rough. Mm. You know, it's that whole thing, you know, you, you, you feel bad because you, you, you've lost your shoes till you meet the man with no feet. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, no, it, it's, 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 for me to say it's hard would be like, yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it would be a wrong thing to, to say. It's, 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 it's the path we're on. It's the path we're taking. It's just, like I say, it's the story we live. It's like once, once in a while a person will ask me, what's it like to have a child with autism? And me, I don't know what it's like not to. You know? <laughs> right. So I can't answer that question. You know? Well, that, so, that's a perfect, all, that's a good segue, Joe. No, I wanted to ask you, uh, I, I don't know what it's like to have a child who doesn't have autism, but you have another child. I'm just wondering when you have one child who's facing special challenges and you have another child who's not facing those same challenges, um, how, how do you balance as parents making sure that you provide enough love and support equally for both? Yeah, well, it is. It is. It is. Um, that's a valid question because especially in this particular instance, it was our first child, Mia, mm. who has the autism. So it was the second child, Gia, who was more typical, you know, 
And so it was, a, it was a discovery process for us. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more of our interview with veteran actor Joe Montagna in just a moment. I was actually raised in the Catholic Church. I, I um, went to grade school uh, through sixth grade, and pretty much about the time I went to high school, um, I stopped attending church and really didn't think much more about it for a number of years. The return to church, the Catholic Church, was somewhat of an evolution. I thought I knew what the Catholic Church believed and taught, but uh, learned very quickly from somebody who knew far more about the Bible than I ever hoped to know. Uh, I learned that the Catholic Church, what it truly taught, and that that's where I needed to be. I'm a recovered alcoholic and drug addict. Without God in my life, I'd probably be dead. God has literally saved my life. I feel like I'm truly on the road to um, the fulfillment of, of really all of my desires, uh, which is ultimately to spend attorney in heaven with myself and my family. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. It's a huge burden lifted financially, and so it allows you to give singular focus to your child. I've never known a hospital that takes care of their patients so thoroughly. That was the first thing I was like, how are we going to do this? When they told us that we didn't have to pay a single bill, I was like, wow. They pretty much have saved us. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. And now your focus is supporting this child. There is not another hospital like St. Jude. The patient care is unmatchable. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. I'm in almost every school bus and classroom. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You see me around the neighborhood, and you tell me that I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every five children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we can grow up to be whatever we want. I want to grow up to be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everybody. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide eight meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we are Feeding America, brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti. I'm joined by the wonderful actor, Joe Montagna, who's starring in a new Amazon series called As We See It. All right, let's yes. go back to our, our talk. You know, uh, yeah. people, we talk, of course, about, about Gia and some of the special challenges she may have faced. But Mia. Uh, Mia. Oh, you're right. already talking about Gia. Oh, but we're gonna talk about, that's right. Uh, we're going to talk about Gia. Right. I wanted to ask her, 
when you have a child who is faced with particular challenges and then you have a child uh, who doesn't have the same challenges, but regular challenges, how do you make both feel uh, the attention, the love? You know what? When I was a, when I was a young priest, I was helping to raise a young nephew of mine. So he's like a son to me, but I had to say to the ones after him, you know, I love you guys, but Matthew's a little different to me because of, of the uh, energy and situation where I had to help raise him. It uh, doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means I love you differently. But, but how did you do it? How did you and Janet, how? That, that, yeah, that's an, that's an interesting question. I will say this. Because of the way Mia was born, our first child, mm-hmm. and under the trying circumstances that she was born, you know, she was born very premature. She was one pound, 13 ounces. Wow. She was born at only 28 weeks. She was one of the smallest babies born in California that year. And it was just a little fluke. Uh, my wife had, unbeknownst to her, she had, contracted like a, uh, an infection of the umbilical cord. And so the, 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 the Mia stopped getting nutrients and, and, and all the ambiotic fluid was, was going away. And luckily, Arlene was sensitive to the fact that she wasn't moving much. So it was on a Friday. And she says, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You know, the doctor, had, she had seen the doctor the day before. And he said, no, it's, you know, they, they didn't think anything was, was troubling, you know. She says, something's wrong. She called and she said, I know I'm being the nervous Nelly here, but I feel something's wrong. And luckily the nurse said, look, it's Friday. Uh, the doctor's going to be gone all weekend. If you don't come in right now, you're going to worry about it all weekend. Why don't you just right, come right. in? You know? So she, of course, and I was, I remember we had an electrician over. We were doing some work at the house. And she goes, I'm, I'll be right back. I go, I have to do this. I said, no problem. Look, she leaves. And about an hour later, I get a phone call from the hospital saying, you better come here. It was like, what? And then I get it. And then that's what they, when they, when they examined her, they discovered, oh my God, lost all this thing, whatever. There's distress. They said, we have to take the baby right now. This is like 28 weeks, three months prior to when she should come be born. So anyway, she's born under a very trying situation. She's, she's born. They can't even keep her in that hospital because they didn't have the facilities. Uh, for that small a baby. So they come with a special ambulance with a special incubator. Oh, this poor take kid. Her to, yeah. So here's this, this child as big as a squirrel. And they take her to to this other hospital about 10 miles away, which had the facilities. So now Arlene is in one hospital. The baby's now in another. And I'm <laughs> caught in the middle, like, what's happened today? You know. And it was a huge thunderstorm. I remember that day. It was June 5th, 1987. And it was like, what else could happen, you know, moment. And I remember, and I remember this distinctly. I'm I, 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 in the hospital where Arlene was, knowing I have to now quickly see how she's doing because she's pretty, she's all doped up and everything because they had to do this emergency. You know, they had to cut her open. They couldn't just deliver the baby normally. It was an operation. And then I know I have to get to the other hospital where the, where the baby is. And I, 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 I go, okay, I'm going to leave now. Arlene's a little groggy. I said, I'm going to go see Mia or, or the baby. I don't know. I haven't even named it yet. I leave, before I leave, I, it's a Catholic hospital, St. Joseph's. She was born mm-hmm. at St. Joseph's Hospital in you know, Burbank. I go into the chapel. And I'm not going to lie to you and say I'm the most religious guy in the block and that I'm, <laughs> in, the, I'm, in, the, that I'm in church every Sunday. Right, right. But I walked into that chapel. And I kneeled at the little, you know, kneeler there in front of the, the, 
I guess it was a statue of St. Joseph also with about one of St. You know, Virgin Mary. And I just said, please let this child live. That's all I, mm-hmm. you know, I said, let this all work out okay. I said, and I, I apologized for my lack of attentiveness. <laughs> I did all the usual, you know, mea culpas. Yeah. And I said, please do this. And I, and I got up and I went to this other place, which was Tarzana Medical Center, no Catholic affiliation at all where the baby was, but, but she was born at St. Joseph's, which I thought somewhat ironic, considering mm-hmm. my name. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. so now cut to the chase, cut to your question. <laughs> so now we have this child for the next two and a half years that she's, you have to go to choose on a monitor for a whole year because worry that she might, her heart might stop beating or she might stop breathing because of all the things that can happen to premature ch- ch- children. This is all prior to her diagnosis of autism, but just the, the, the things that could happen to a baby that's small. Right. And of course, all that happens with that, your love for them, your, your connection to them just keeps growing stronger and stronger and stronger because she's, you know, then she reaches a certain age, she's, she, okay, she walks. Oh, oh, she's making sounds. Mm, she's not talking like the other kids her age, but they told us, okay, this could be an issue, you know, because of her birth. So all of these things. So then now what happens? She's about two years old. Harley comes home and from a routine exam and says, I'm pregnant. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and now we're at that, oh, my God. And it yeah. was that pregnancy of not one that we had like, okay, let's plan this one out, you know. So it was like, Okay. Now, of course, the first thing you fear is, yeah. is this congenital? Is this going to happen again? Mm-hmm. Now, the doctors had, had told us, you know what? No, because of the circumstance of how Mia was born, that, that, that had nothing to do with it. Shouldn't, shouldn't be. Should be. That was just a fluke of, like, like we said, something happened to the umbilical cord. That, that, that wasn't like your daughter has some, you know. And at this point, we didn't even know about the autism. Yeah. She got diagnosed right around that time in New York. But here we are, so attached to this baby. Mm. I remember I had to fly to New York from LA to to do two weeks on a movie. And literally, I was going to leave that morning. And she's only been home from the hospital at this point. She'd been in intensive care for three months. She's now home. She's been at home for maybe a few weeks. I have to fly to New York for two weeks. And I walk into the bedroom like at six in the morning. The plane's going to leave like at nine. I look at her in the crib and I realize. I can't do this. I can't, yeah. I can't leave. I've been through too much with this child. Yeah. I called the producers and said, you have to arrange another ticket at the airport. We're all going. We, I have to take them. <laughs> and thank God he, he totally understood. I mean, he understood my circumstance. He went, Joe, it's done. Don't be a ticket. At the, you know, Mia didn't need a ticket. She's this big. So they came. And we, uh, we all went to New York. And I, I had to do that. And I realized at that point on, I can't. They, we're all going to have to go together. We've got to do this together because I don't want to not be there if something right. goes wrong again. So anyway, so now let's cut to, so now we're in New York. Mia's been diagnosed with her autism. Arlene is still pregnant. We have to, I would go to fly to Italy because I'm working on Godfather 3, so we're in Rome. Oh, okay. got all this in our heads. We got, okay, when we get back to the States, uh, we have to, and I'm doing a Woody Allen picture on top of this. Where I know we're going to be in New York for an extended period for about nine months. This is 1990. It's all of this is in our head. Plus, we're going to have this other child. And then as it turns out, on April 17th, you know, and it had to be an arranged delivery because of the operation to deliver mm-hmm. Mia. There was no way Arlene could naturally deliver again because the, 
of the surgery they had to do. They had, they had to also do a cesarean to take Gia out. And they had to take her out four weeks early because they couldn't let her go full term because of because of the uh, because of the operation they had done for me a weekend. You know, it was just too risky to let her go full term. So on top of it, we're thinking, well, now we have to deliver this one premature. But they told us, no, 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 four weeks is doable. It's not three months early, four weeks. You know, she might be a little smaller than normal, <laughs> which she was, but she was like four pounds instead of, okay, it was one pound, 13 right, pounds. Right, right. So now G is born. And then I remember she had like a, as she was born, uh, they said to us, well, she's got this little thing. It happens sometimes. She has to stay in the hospital an extra 48 hours oh. just to, you know, and I'm like, they saw me go pale. Because they knew this, and, I, and I, they said, "No, no, 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 really, this is a, this is not." And I said, "Look, I, you know, I, you know." They said, "No, no, no," and they were right. She was there like an extra two days, and then we all went home. But I have to say, now to get to your the long answer to your question, all during that period, the period of her pregnancy, mm. the delivery, everything, I would I would say to myself, "How is it going to be possible for me to love?" someone else yeah. to the same degree that I have this attachment yeah. to her. I, I, I don't, I can't even comprehend this, but I know, <laughs> I, 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 well, I'm in it. I will find out how this pans out. And all I could say is it just does. Yeah. It, and, I, and I guess one thing we didn't do, we didn't do a lot of, I didn't read a lot of baby books. I didn't do a lot of research. I didn't do like watch movies or videos, how to be a parent, how to be a dad, what to expect. I mean, my feeling was people have been having children in, in the animal kingdom and humans for billions of years. Um, Joe, what you just, that whole story of Mia and Gia reminds me to ask you, um, you you're a better man than I, and that you're, you're going to pray to God at St. Joseph's hospital. And, but I find because I'm a good guy and you are too, that when bad things happen to us, good people, I, I go through a period very often of shaking my fist in God's face saying, what are you thinking? Did, did you go through an anger stage at all? I, I, I suppose so. Yes, you, 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 but I have to say this, the, the moments that I would go, woe is me, or why does this happen to me? I really would rely on, I would look around at my surroundings Mm. and say to myself, and I really did, you know, and I'm not going to pour them off myself and say, oh, yes, I came from a destitute family. But the truth of the matter was, you know, my father was handicapped most of his life. He died at 57 years old. My mother worked wrapping packages for Sears Roebuck for 25 years in a mail-order department. We never lived in a house. We always lived in apartments. Now that's, I'm, not, I'm not saying there was a terrible childhood at all. Right, but right. We, we, we were, you know, very, I would guess, lower middle class, you'd call it. It was like, you know, all of my cousins, all my relatives, everybody at least had, you know, my, my family were bricklayers and stuff like that. They were yeah, working yeah. then and they did okay. They had, we, we, we didn't. We were always kind of like the, the poor relations in a way. And so for me to fall into what I fell into in life and ultimately to succeed at it, and at the time we had a child, now me, Arlene and I had been together at that point since 1969. We had Mia in 1987. So we had a lot of, already a lot of water under the bridge. Right, had, right. It was probably good that we waited that long to have a child because I don't know if we'd have been mentally and certainly financially and every other way prepared to deal with it. It might not have worked out. 
But Harry, at the time we had Mia, things were going pretty good for me, career-wise. Yeah. And so our, our lifestyle, we'd, I, we bought our first house, this tiny little house in California, Studio City, which we still own. But, uh, but I, I had to say to myself, okay, this is kind of a, nobody would have wanted this to happen. Nobody would have asked for this situation. Right. But there are others in the same situation who have far less going for them in, in terms of dealing with it. And, and I'm a firm believer there, and I want to tell you of the saying, God gives you what you can handle. Mm. I'm going to thank you for being on and just say, uh, Joe, you're wonderful. Thank you so, so much. Jim, as are this. you. This was, this was probably the most enjoyable interview I've, I've ever done. Well, thank you. Uh, and I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that. I, I feel a personal connection to you. I, I, I realized the day you sent me that letter about yeah. Matt, there was something about it. And, 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 I, and I remember when I delivered it to, to Murphy and the girls oh. that I said to them, I said, this is something you, I want you guys to have because this is, you know, not having really you know, known that, that much about you. But, it, well, like I said, I, you, know, you understand, you get it. There's a, we, we've already made, it's a mitzvah. We've made a connection. It's a mitzvah. We, <laughs> and, 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 and I'm very happy for this. Uh, I, am too. Uh, I, I have too. a guy in Chicago, somewhat like the father Fragamini, who I don't know if you know. Another good the, Italian. Good. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, he is the, the Monsignor for the shrine of Pompeii, oh, Our Lady of Pompeii, which is the church my parents were married in Chicago. Oh. And it's that same thing. He was the he, he married Schwarzenegger and, and Shriver. He was he's out of Boston. And then from Boston he went to Chicago and now is the priest at the, at Pompeii. But I I, 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 they contacted me maybe 20 years ago to do a video for them to help you know support the shrine, which I did, and I, and I met him, and we had a similar kind of connection like you and I are having. Not quite as strong as this. You, 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 you've, you've, you've displaced them as number one. This is like you're, my, you're now my go-to priest. We won't any time at all. We won't tell well, them. That. Jim, it's the truth. I'm not. I'm just talking. You're the last guy I'm going to lie to. So yeah, uh, uh, it's the truth. You've, you've just become the number one priest in, in my life. Thank you, Joe. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can get me a personally speaking podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to see past episodes, go to YouTube and punch in personally speaking with Monsignor General Santi. And please don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally speaking is also available as a podcast, personally speaking podcast.buzzsprout.com. Or you can go to www.closeencountertv.com or www.ollmp.org and you'll also find there our weekly mass and homilies. I'm going to encourage you also to look on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jimosanti. We're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. Please share and let others know about Personally Speaking. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer of Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.